Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, now you're on. Now you're on. What's we yell at you? You're fired up, Christian. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz, here with my good friend and co-host, Christian Ubius. Christian, I often ask you a question at the beginning of these things, or make a comment on something you had said to me right before recording started, and so, to that end, you're very fired up coming into this recording. <laughs> I am ready to throw stuff at the wall, man. <laughs> Christian had a meeting before this recording session that ran a little long, so are you feeling like you might be more contentious when we get into the review of Batman? No, but I'm contentious when we get into the idea of school administration. (laughs) Well, it's a good thing we're not talking about school administration. We are talking about 1989's Batman, directed by Tim Burton, as we continue on with our Batman Blend of the Month. So, Christian, we talked about this a little bit last week, but just to remind viewers, did you have any attachment to or connection to this particular bat flick? I've definitely seen parts of this movie on a plane before. <laughs> Interesting. And I I mean, obviously, Michael Keaton, you know, ride or die. But One the, of your two dads. One of my two dads. listeners of this podcast will remember. Yes. The, the ratio of times I say one of my dads is, is very much increasing. Have you said it about anybody other than Michael Keaton or Christian Bale? No. <laughs> You're just talking about it more. But it's because it's that month, so it makes sense. Yes. But anyway, uh, I will say this... This is a movie that I finally watched in its entirety for it, this episode. Wow, okay. We're, we're both relative newcomers then, because I watched this for the very first time, as I mentioned previously on the show, when HBO Max was first released, because they had all the Batman movies on there, and I realized I had never seen the original, so I had to fire it up. And I spoke erroneously on this podcast last week. I assumed it was still on HBO Max. It is, in fact, on Hulu right now, so... Basically, all the non-Nolan movies are on Hulu, and all of the Nolan movies are on HBO Max. Yeah, there's a few more on HBO Max, like the Lego Batman movie is on there, all the animation is on there. The Lego Batman movie is just such a disappointment, and maybe you disagree. A disappointment. I remember going in there thinking, oh, I like the Lego movie, and leaving thinking that wasn't funny. I have only heard people talk about how hilarious that movie is, so I'll have to watch it for myself and see. Listen to the Big Pick episode, and uh, you'll understand that there are people on my side. (laughs) Okay, sounds good, Christian. Maybe we'll get there when we get into our bonus episode for this month about Batman in animation. But for now, of course, we are still fixated on our live-action stories here. So... It's kind of fun to sit down and talk about this particular Batman because we've talked about our fair share of comic book movies and superhero movies on this show. We are both fans of these types of movies. We sit down and see them in the theaters together quite often. And this is one of the most important and influential comic book stories of all time. Not a ton of comic book movies were made before Batman, and it essentially kicked off the boom that we experienced through the rest of the 90s, into the 2000s, and now what we have today with Superflix dominating at the box office and what is just generally being made in Hollywood these days. This is the movie that let people know, wow, Batman itself is IP. Not the DC whatever fandom but batman himself is someone who has such a rich 
cast of characters, someone who comes from a rich place. I mean, as much as I love the Christopher Reeve Superman movies, Gotham is a better place to center something on than Metropolis. Right, and those movies are, of course, being made in the 70s, but the first is a huge hit in the uh, original Superman. Marlon Brando, of course, was part of that cast, and it propelled Christopher Reeve to stardom, but then the franchise sort of No, not, not Superman 2. Superman 2 is beloved still. Well, but there is drama with that movie because Richard Donner was like kicked off the movie or was he just not allowed to finish his cut? I sort of forget the story. I, I don't I don't remember, but Superman 2 might be better than Superman 1. And I'm, I'm not just saying that about myself. I think that's a decently popular critical opinion. Okay, I, that's honestly just something I was not familiar with, so I'll take your word for it. But what we can agree on is definitely that 3 and Superman 4, especially tank the critical reception and are not as popular. And so they sort of fizzle out in their popularity within popular culture. A lot of popular spoken in the last sentence there. But Batman comes along in 89 and kicks things off once again. Similar strategies in some respects to Superman. You know, you're pulling in all these popular characters, the most popular villain in that we have the Joker, of course, and also getting a really big notable star to play the villain. Of course, we have Gene Hackman playing Lex Luthor in Superman, and now Jack Nicholson playing the Joker here in Batman, but also like Christopher Reeve, who was a little more obscure than Michael Keaton, I think, when he was cast. You do bring up someone who wasn't really an A-list star before. Michael Keaton was a stand-up comedian into a comic actor, made his fair share of movies where he had leading roles, but this is the movie that really propelled him to full-blown A-list fame. And he, he had worked with Tim Burton before, right? Beetlejuice is before this. Oh my gosh. Oh, Christian, I'm so dumb. There's probably people who were like yelling into their <laughs> their phones or their cars, however they listen to this, because of course Beetlejuice is before this. So he's obviously not the star of that movie, but he is the namesake for it. It's a notable part. Um, obviously, it, he doesn't have a ton of screen time in that movie, but he leaves the biggest impression. So certainly a, a big movie for him and for Tim Burton. And Beetlejuice is ultimately part of what helped Burton get this movie as well. Because Michael Keaton and Johnny Depp are the two people that Tim Burton is known for doing stuff with but anyway um should we talk about the plot and then just dive into the review yeah let's do it so the quick details on batman of course as we mentioned directed by tim burton with a screenplay by sam ham and warren scarin uh we do of course have michael keaton and jack nicholson with uh, another lovely cast of characters that we will get into more in the review and i always like to shout out some of the below line folks of danny elfman here doing the score which i'm sure we'll get to at some point so, a quick plot summary if you didn't catch up with Batman before this, but, of course, Bruce Wayne is doing his thing, and he has recently started be being the Batman, and his legend is starting to spread among the criminals of Gotham City. Meanwhile, Jack Napier, who is a mobster, gets set up by his boss and the other crime lords of the city, and a fight between the two of them results in Napier getting chemically affected and turning into the Joker. So... Bruce Wayne has to figure out a way to manage his personal life while also fending off the Joker from his uh, crime wave on the city. And Wayne has a blossoming romance with Vicki Vale, a photographer who has come in from out of town. Let's dive into this review. My opening question to you is very similar to last week. I think in talking about these movies, we're talking about Batman after Batman after Batman. So the biggest and easiest points of comparison are, of course, just the people playing Batman and the most significant uh, filmmakers behind them, of course, usually the director. So, Christian, my question for you is this. For you, just simply, 
in the shortest way you can say it while we unpack it for the rest of the show, what works and what didn't work for you in this original vision of Gotham City. Was Burton's more gothic and slightly cartoonish style more your flavor from last week's The Batman? And did Michael Keaton work for you where Robert Pattinson did not always? I, okay, 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 okay. There are some beautiful shots in this movie. And I think out of all the Batman movies I have seen, this is the most, this is the one that most resembles a comic book. Where specific shots, I think, very much could just be frames on a comic book. The um, bat signal going into the sky, the bat plane, I don't, I don't know, the bat plane going... The bat wing. The bat wing, yes, yes. The, um, honestly, just Batman raising his arms to, to, I don't know, scare off people. That was a really weird, that was a really weird thing he did. He just raised his arms to his cape goes and he yes. looks like a bat. We'll um, get into the bat suit. I have no clue why he did that, but beautiful shots but i don't know what tone this movie is going for it feels like it's kind of trying to be camp but then also there are some kind of weird and awful deaths and it's also macabre but in one of those where it's like it's cool to be goth kind of a thing not really dark things and i'm watching this movie and I'm a little confused as to what specifically is going on. Because when I think Tim Burton, I think goth. Like, I, and I don't think dark. I think, isn't it cool to be wearing all black kind of a thing? <laughs> and that way Batman quite suits him. <laughs> but that's not what this movie is. And it's one of the, it, it's the first Batman that is darker, whereas the Batman show beforehand and the Batman movie beforehand with Adam West were all camp. So it's, ah, it's trying to go for something, but I don't really think it succeeds. Interesting. Um, Mostly because I feel that the Burtonification of Gotham City here works quite well. And the tone that it strikes, I think is a little bit there's certainly some shocking violence at times, and we, we do get a lot a lot of a lot more shooting in some respects than other Batman movies, a lot of explosions uh, than some other Batman movies. But I feel like this isn't really out of step with Burton, and I'm not a I'm not a Burton completionist, and not even in a way, not even a huge fan of his. But I, and what he's famous for, this feels like a, a nice sort of blockbuster streamlining of, of what he's good for. Which is often these... It's not a bad movie at all. Yeah, these lavish sets and brilliant production design. Clearly a lot of thought and effort put into the sets and the costumes. And the tone, I might be able to understand having some quibbles with it. Because it's certainly at times a little more comical. Certainly at times a little darker. And because it doesn't really dive in either one of those directions, there's a little bit of tone shifting. But... It may have worked worse for you than it did for me, only because I feel like in rewatching this movie, I actually have more appreciation for it. I will say I I'm, I'm there with you. The production is fantastic in this movie. We should mention briefly it was nominated for one Oscar and won it for uh, art direction at the time, which has been since folded into production design. But it, it did win an Oscar for this, and it it's wonderful. It really really is being able to see it because you feel Gotham come alive uh and not like a gritty realistic thing that Nolan and Matt Reeves now 
or Zack Snyder have tried to go for, but much more so Gotham is, is kind of given its own universe in this movie in that this is a place that uh, has crime in it, but also has these kooky characters in it. And it's interesting. And it's definitely a world that I would have liked to see more of. And so I I will check out Batman Returns. Oh yeah, you should check out Batman Returns. (laughs) And that movie is uh, an even more twisted concoction of of darkness and humor. But it's a shame in some respects we aren't talking about on the show, but I would strongly recommend it to anybody who, especially anybody who enjoyed this movie. And if you're a Batman fan or superhero fan, check it out. So... Of course, Christian, we will talk more about the Tim Burton of it all, I'm sure, but we got to talk about Michael Keaton, our guy, one of your two dads. <laughs> Did you like his portrayal? Freaking loved it, man. There you go. Oh my goodness. And, and I've realized, I've realized why. Because the Batman that I love are good Bruce Waynes. And, and now, Robert Pattinson did nothing wrong last week and, and has done nothing wrong and is a phenomenal Batman. But I think that what has always intrigued me about Batman himself or about um, just some other, like the Flash, is that their lives outside of the suit are as important and at the very least as interesting as their lives in the suit. Right. It's a common, you know, superhero plot device where you have to give these people tension so they have to wrestle with who they are in and outside of the suit. And the the the, inters- the the vast intersection interweaving of it, because is Michael Keaton the most attractive man in the world to me? <laughs> I'm 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 gonna go with no. But the thing is, he is so cool and so suave, and his portrayal and his relationship and how he stands in this manner and how he talks up Kim Basinger like good for you, man. Yeah, like it is is so fascinating to watch that i dug it i mean michael keaton to me has always been like the people's batman (laughs) yeah he he is a pretty high approval rating and obviously um fans of these movies who grew up on keaton still say he's the best to ever don the bat suit and i'm curious to hear your answer to that question maybe later on in this month once we get a chance to engage some more some more bat content but in a weird sort of way i really love michael keaton and that's not what's weird. I really love Michael Keaton, as, as do you. But in a weird sort of way, I feel like I didn't fully get with his portrayal the first time I watched that movie. And that was part of my slight resistance to it. I definitely liked it, but wasn't fully on board. And I was with it a little bit more this time. I think that we see you know, Bruce Wayne, who he's not taking a ton of taking a ton of chances or risks acting-wise. But there are a few moments where he really goes for it. Most notably, there is a scene where he's meeting with Vicki Vale, who we should mention is played by Kim Basinger. And they're talking in her apartment. He's finally building up the courage to tell her that he's Batman, when, of course, Joker interrupts. And he's got this obsession with Vicki Vale, and he continually tries to win her over. And he, in their confrontation, pulls a gun on Bruce Wayne, and they're going back and forth. And Keaton just starts screaming at Joker. And probably one of the lines from this movie that just sticks in my head, like, you want to go nuts? That, that like, moment where he's losing his mind. I, I love that moment. It's so ridiculous. And it shows what Keaton brings to this character. He is able to inject some comedy at times into Bruce Wayne and Batman. He gets the, you know, interplay with the, the bad guys that he's fighting. From the moment he first drops in on those guys on the roof and drops the first, I'm Batman. So, yeah, I definitely went for Keaton's portrayal. Gotta love that bat suit. 
<laughs> You've already talked about how he uses the cape like bat wings to scare off bad guys. But it doesn't work. They still shoot at him. <laughs> like, I don't get it. Yeah, the, the suit, if you know a little bit about the behind the scenes of this movie, famously difficult to move around in. So if you watch with a close eye, you'll notice that Keaton never fully turns his head while wearing the suit because he quite literally could not. It was so such thick rubber, he could not turn his head to stare off to the side. So there's a lot of full body shifts or slow movements because it's it can be tough to move in. And, you know, movies are often def- not defined by it, but some of the best movies work well within their constraints. And even though this suit was difficult to work in, you don't think that for a moment watching this movie because he is able to take on the character and use it well. Even though he can't move so aggressively, he is, has this slower Batman, who is able to instill fear in bad guys, who isn't afraid to take a gunshot to the chest. He is really uh, confident in in this Bat character, and it, and you see that his struggle is more about figuring out how to be Bruce Wayne and Batman. It's not so much about building confidence, like in, in some respects, some of the other younger Batmans we've seen on on screen. His concern isn't whether or not Joker's going to kill the city. His concern is how to tell the girl he likes that he's Batman. (laughs) Yeah. And that's incredible. And that is what, I mean, that's why this feels like a comic book. Because we always know that the superhero's gonna win. Even if the superhero dies, like, wait a couple of years, they're gonna come back. (laughs) Like, that's how these things work. Because they make money. And here, it's, like, leaning into him getting revenge for his parents' death. Or him... I don't, I don't know what the best way to say this is. Him not just liking this girl, but figuring out how to spread his name around because this is only the beginning. And, and it, it, it's it's very appropriate that he's concerned with le- telling people to let others know that he's Batman because it does mark the arrival of years and years and years of Batman franchise to come. Right. And hey, speaking of getting the girl, <laughs> we got a Batman who... Uh lays with a woman how do you want to say it <laughs> they, they a sexually have... active batman wait i i didn't i thought that they didn't have sex christian they wake up in the same bed the following morning <laughs> no but i thought that she just fell asleep i no. this is legitimately me not being like oh me not blocking it out but but when she says man i slept with you and he goes well i, I thought that he's like well was just that we slept together in the sense that we were both asleep on the same <laughs> I, bed i did not read that the same way although i wouldn't blame you for thinking that considering she there is a i love that burton chose to include this just to sort of let you into the weird psychology of his his bruce wayne because there's a moment where they have this romantic evening together and vicky vale wakes up in the middle of the night and she looks over and Bruce isn't in bed and she looks across the room and he's hanging upside down from a pull-up bar as if he were a bat. <laughs> I don't think that's realistic. <laughs> gotta love that. I don't think you can actually sleep that way. I don't think he was sleeping, you know, he's just he's practicing being Batman. He's he's getting in touch with his inner bat, you know? I I, I don't personally. <laughs> well, we've we've talked a lot about our Batman, so of course we gotta talk about our Joker. And this is a character that has, of course, drawn many notable actors to this role. Jack Nicholson, of course, stars in this movie and is a multiple-time Oscar winner. We had two people go on to play the Joker and win Oscars, those being Heath Ledger and Joaquin Phoenix, and even Jared Leto, who played this, who played the Joker in Suicide Squad and, and Justice League. This Oscar is, winner. 
this is this is my take on what you're and, and you're gonna hate what I'm gonna say though. Okay, Christian, is this your take on Nicholson's Joker? You're gonna say no. This is my take on Jared Leto's Joker. Oh, Jared Leto's Joker, <laughs> go for it. I don't hate it, and if I think we we got a movie that actually did stuff with him a little bit more, I think Jared Leto, crazy as he is, just in general, it, it is not the worst fit for it. That being said, we're talking about Nicholson's Joker. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. Now, so good. I'm I'm not. This is blasphemy. I'm not the biggest fan. I've I've come to understand of Jack, of Jack Nicholson in general, but, but I, maybe it's because I've always found him creepy, <laughs> which this movie uses to its advantage. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, his laugh, like the oh, I, I I can't do it. I don't want to do it. I, I, oh, it, yeah. It it, it it like makes your hair turn, and I. I really enjoyed it because I fully believe that this guy who has, you know, the receding hairline and who has this smile with the crazy eyes that falls into this vat of chemicals would do all of these things and would go into the, would basically kill off people at a museum or at a restaurant attached to a museum by playing some music in a boombox. It, it's quite... I don't know if realistic is the word, but it's it knows what it's going for. Like, if this movie has a tone, Jack Nicholson knows what that tone is. I think more so than the directing. Well, I feel like his character is a really good... A, a really good... Maybe microcosm isn't the most accurate word, but a microcosm of Burton's style in that we have this realistic, in some respects, portrayal. He's a gangster who obviously is extraordinarily self-confident and and even prideful steals his boss's girl and has not a ton of regard for human life of course because he's a a bad dude this mob enforcer essentially who naturally when he is affected by his chemicals and goes crazy then has essentially the inhibitions removed and he just no longer cares about human life and in fact his plan is just to kill people there's not really a a grabbing at power there's not really a desire to be in control or in charge of gotham his desire is to go on this murderous killing spree and (laughs) i i'm not even sure if i maybe i'm forgetting it but i'm not even sure if he gets an end goal aside from his evil plans working and and turning people crazy like him so but it's it's also not just killing people because when we talked about riddler last week he's i would have a no, he is sadistic. Riddler is definitely sadistic, but it's much more like a serial killer. There's a point behind what he wants to do. It's just right. that many deaths... He can only make plans with many deaths in place. Right. Joker here, it's just a sadism of chaos and confusion, and he wants to spread that chaos and confusion, whether it is through mass murder or just simply through... I'm going to kill everyone around you at a restaurant and only leave you alive and then leave because I can. Uh, he also has that speech. Are you talking about the scene in the museum with Vicky Vale? Yeah. I mean, Batman does come, but... Batman does come to rescue her. But he also, during that scene, Nicholson gets this great moment, of course, to sit down across from Kim Basinger and talk about his philosophy as an artist. <laughs> because, of course, he and his, his cronies have come in Bumping a boombox with Prince on it, because he wrote original songs for this movie. What a time, the late 80s. <laughs> They're playing Prince and defacing all of the art in this museum. And then he goes on to talk about his philosophy and how he's an artist. And we see this 
this woman he has uh, been romantically involved with at the beginning of the movie is wearing a mask and he pulls the mask off of her and she's got this huge acid stain on her face and so part of his insanity too is about making people crazy like him the joker gas that he's using is a common tool in the comics that kills people of course but it also leaves them with a smile on their face so i really love this portrayal and, and i think it, it gets at not just a, a good vision for, for Burton's Gotham, but it also is part of the fun of the character where you have you have Nicholson's take that is so good and, and still, you know, stacks up well in comparison to other takes on the character, which is half the fun of these kinds of stories. People complain about comic book movies, and I think and a lot of times it's it's fair. We've made a lot of mediocre or even bad comic book movies, of course, but part of the fun of these stories is getting to see different people's takes and iterations on these characters. Let me let me throw something at you. I, I'm going to throw a little pop quiz at you. Okay. Name, <laughs> name more than five Batman villains. Mr. Freeze, the Joker, Clayface, Man-Bat, Ventriloquist, the Mad Hatter, Bane, Ra's al Ghul. That's eight. Name more than five Spider-Man villains. Craven the Hunter, Doc Ock, Vulture, Electro, Howler, uh, Prowl. I'm thinking Prowler, so he technically counts. He's Miles Morales. <laughs> um, Norman Osborn slash the Green Goblin, the Hobgoblin. Cool. Name more than five Iron Man villains. Ooh, I don't really know Iron Man villains. Exactly. Mandarin. No, no, no. Name, Obadiah Stane. Name, name more than five Superman villains. Ooh, Brainiac, Lex Luthor. It's harder. <laughs> It's well, harder. I'm just more familiar with Batman and Spider-Man. But so is everyone. Like, legitimately, I think when you give people and you stop people on the street and you ask them Batman and Spider-Man villains, they can they can spout off more so than anyone else. And so it, it's it's a weird it's a weird thing to think about. But for some reason, Batman and Spider-Man movies, or, or I mean, the Batman and Spider-Man universes were made because of their eclectic rogues gallery. Right. I mean, that's why, that's half the reason why Batman is so beloved, because he's got an almost unlimited number of great villains at this point. And even some of the most ridiculous ones are still fun. And why it's kind of a thankless role to play Spider-Man at Batman at times, because I'm not going to lie, I'm more interested to see what villain they trudge out that I necessarily am to see a continuing face. Which, I mean, we mentioned Batman Returns. Half the reason I think that that movie is better than this original is partially because we take the incredible villain at the center of this movie and multiply it by two. Because in that movie, you get Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman and Danny DeVito's Penguin. And both of them are incredible in those roles. And so... It's absolutely a movie that is well-defined by its villains. And aside from that, you also have Christopher Walken playing a crooked businessman and, and more. So it's a great time. Christian, uh, we've, we've covered, of course, Keaton and Nicholson. And, of course, there's an expansive cast behind them. Uh, anybody that stood out to you in particular? Of course, we haven't talked too much about Kim Basinger as Vicki Vale, but we also had I a... I love yeah, her. There you go. I think she's great. Kim Basinger, man. Truly. I think she's <laughs> a movie star. well. <laughs> oh, okay. Do you know who she reminded me of? Tell me, Christian. Uh, who, who was her name from Blade Runner, OG Blade Runner? Sean Young, the actress. Sean Young. And there was there's a specific shot where Sean Young is like walking over this vast, exp- I don't know, maybe just to a door. And here there's a shot of Kim Basinger walking to a door and Joker's on the other side. And just the sheer presence of watching them walk. 
I'm like, they were cast because we want, like, our eyes go to hers. When she's talking with Michael Keaton, I'm not looking at Michael Keaton. <laughs> very, very true, Christian. <laughs> Kim Basinger is, of course, a skilled actress, but she is also an incredibly beautiful human being. So, <laughs> honestly, just another great, uh, a great cast by by the team here by by Burton and the um, casting directors because she is so well suited to this role and we get to see of course Bruce Wayne as a, a lover in comparison to her and and Bruce Wayne always pulls beautiful women like this because he's a billionaire <laughs> and and yet she also is her own character in relationship to him and of course she doesn't end the movie in a bit of a damsel in distress situation but in the build up she you know, shows her determination in pursuing this bad story. She partners with Robert Wool's character, Knox, this kind of hokey reporter who's been keeping up with Batman to everybody else's glee because they make fun of him. They team up and, and chase down the story together. She tries to figure out who Bruce Wayne is. And, and of course, as she learns a connection between them, there's this great relationship that forms between the two of them. And it's a shame that she didn't return for uh, the next movie with, with um, Keaton because they make a good screen pair. Of course, we do have a few... Batman mainstays here, Michael Guff playing Alfred, Billy D. Williams showing up as Harvey Dent, which is just, he is dramatically underused in these movies. He's there for like a minute. Like I know. Like you see him for two minutes. Precious few scenes. He does show up in Batman Returns as well, but yeah, not, not used nearly enough. Or maybe I am incorrect about that. I was just looking at his letterbox. Oh, well. Pat Hingle then playing Commiss Commissioner Gordon as well. And in a small role, Jack Palance as Carl Grissom, this mob boss at the beginning of the movie who is taken out of the picture pretty early on. And this is the most... I don't know a ton about Jack Palance. I just know that it, this is the one where you can make fun of him because he's just hamming it up in this small, small role. And Nicholson even gets a chance to do an impression of him as the Joker, which is pretty funny. Any standouts for you in the supporting cast, Christian? The the other journalist, but even his name I forgot. Ro yeah, Robert Wool, who's playing Alexander Knox. But the, the, the thing that I've realized, though, is that as often as we see police and police are vital in Batman movies and Batman lore, the police very much take a bat a back seat to the journalists in this movie. It's the journalists who are trying to uncover who the Batman is and trying to tell the world that the Batman is there and trying to see what is it that's causing this um, weird, oh, what is it, poison that's affecting people. And it's much more, a, not it's not like a full-on journalist movie, but it's an how can we uncover stuff? And not a lot of other uh, superhero movies right now that come to mind are doing that. And so that was interesting. That yeah. was very, very interesting. I mean, it is an interesting facet of this movie. Wool, Wool is funny in his supporting role and plenty of jokes made at his expense too. He's game for it and it has a good repartee with, with Basinger. And although he doesn't really factor into the movie too much as we get into the third act and start moving towards the conclusion... It is still fun to have this character, and I think later Batman stories, although I have seen Batman Forever and barely remember anything about it, and I have not seen Batman and Robin, so I can't really speak to the Joel Schumacher movies here, you look at Nolan's trilogy, and Jim Gordon becomes a way bigger piece of the puzzle. And not only is he more involved in the story, he's played by Gary Oldman, and we see a lot of his side of things. So a lot of, you know, action in the police station. And he works with Harvey Dent in The Dark Knight. And so even in uh, Dark Knight Rises, Joseph Gordon-Levitt comes in to play another police officer. So you can see where the 
the ensemble sort of shifts in what kinds of characters are a part of the stories. And the most recent Batman movies have been more about the DCEU and the Justice League, really, because there was no solely Batman movie. There was Batman v Superman, but even so, that heavily features Superman and Wonder Woman. So you can see the, the shift in terms of what kind of characters we're even working with. And that's one piece that is really fun about this Batman. Christian, anything else about this movie that stood out to you? I, I know I mentioned Danny Elfman early on. He did the score for this movie. I did like the score. And, and as much as I don't, I don't think this movie really knew what it wanted to be, every individual part is interesting to watch. And so I did love the costumes. I did love the production. I did love the score. I just don't know if everything together went great. But I can't deny its uniqueness. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, not quite working without a template because, of course, we had all kinds uh, of blockbuster movies by this point. This is 1989. We've been through, you know, Jaws happened. Star Wars happened. We, we moved into that era, the era of blockbusters dominating theaters, merchandising taking over. And, and of course, this is a pre-existing IP. This is a superhero movie being made for the screen. But even so, it's still working pretty freely with the kind of superhero template that we had at the time. And, and that's obviously been iterated on over and over and over again by 2022. So it's always fun to check out these original versions of these stories where, although of course it's not even the original Batman movie, it's at least the original serious blockbuster take on the character. And I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's a movie that, like I said, I liked the first time I watched it, liked a little bit more the second time I watched it. There's so much to enjoy, especially if you... If you're a person who is a little bit like me, I think, when you listen to the show and somebody who appreciates some of the more bloodline work, whether it be production design or the way the movie is shot, uh, if you you know if that's you, then I think you really will enjoy 1989's Batman if you have not yet checked it out. So, Christian, that is Batman, directed by Tim Burton. We are two down and one to go. When it comes to our Batman blend of the month here, of course, we will be looking at The Dark Knight next week. Have you been watching any other Batman stuff in terms of Batman Blend of the Month? Or are you catching up on the movies? Or What's your plan, Christian? Fill me in. I'm probably going to watch Batman Returns. And I think I will watch Batman Begins before watching The Dark Knight. There you go. I am not sure what I'm going to do. Because I am trying to watch some more animated Batman stuff in anticipation of our episode coming up at the end of this month. I watched... Gotham by Gaslight, because I both own and enjoy that comic, and I would not recommend it, unfortunately, <laughs> but there's all kinds of animated Batman movies to watch on HBO Max, as well as uh, some of the other movies that are still out there, like the Joel Schumacher ones, or even the DCEU, if that's your cup of tea, so, uh, not. no, <laughs> not for me either, but we'll, we'll stay in touch and see what we're going to do. One quick addendum in terms of our programming for this month here on the cinema drip podcast christian you texted me a very important question today and that question was are we going to do an oscars episode of course the oscars are coming up later this month they'll be on march 27th that fated day and christian you have some plans for that night do you not i have an oscars party to throw and i get to come and it's gonna be great do you have any movies to catch up on for the oscars still i want to say parallel mothers is the only one under the big character big categories i haven't seen so i'm gonna catch up with that one and i also really want to see flea 
haven't seen it yet. I strongly recommend it, of course. Cool. Uh, appeared on my top ten of the year. I also have to see Parallel Mothers. I have a few other Best Picture contenders to catch up with and will, of course, have done so by the time the Oscars roll around. So Christian and I are going to do some kind of Oscars episode. Last year, we did a pre-show where we talked about some of our favorites from the nominees and who we thought would win with our, our friend Keenan Culler of the Hollywood Week podcast. And then we did a post-show, just the two of us talking about the winners. So we'll figure out what we'll do this year, but there will be some kind of Oscars content if you are following along with the oscars we're gonna be at an oscars party why don't we just ask people what they think (laughs) how would that work exactly (laughs) this doesn't need to be said on air but (laughs) i mean we're gonna have people why don't we ask people to say stuff okay maybe uh you know this is your warning if you listen to the show and you're invited to that party you might just be asked to be on this show we'll have to wait and see so Of course, next week we do have The Dark Knight coming up. Stay tuned for our Oscars content. But until then, that is our show. And we, of course, thank you for watching. Christian and I love to watch these movies and discuss them and share our discussions. And so it means a lot that there are folks out there listening. There are a few things that you can do to support the show if you haven't done them already. Number one, of course, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. Helps us grow on different platforms and reach new listeners. So we would sincerely appreciate it if you would do that. You can also send us your feedback at cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. We regularly check the inbox and try to get some of your listener ideas for the show. And especially as we are talking about Batman this month, everybody has some kind of connection to Batman. Everybody's seen at least one Batman movie. And so we'd love to know what your favorites are, what your least favorites are. Ooh, some hot takes. Or if you have some Batman animation that you want to recommend to us so we can include it in our show coming up at the end of the month. We'd love to know your thoughts. So go ahead and send those to cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com you can also follow myself and the show on twitter and christian on instagram and the both of us are on letterboxd where we are regularly rating and reviewing the things that we are watching so christian any final thoughts for the folks listening along at home no well i guess that's that then christian but i just have one piece of advice for you never dance with the devil in the pale moonlight and until next time this has been the cinema drip podcast